listening to the Women's Online Wellness Podcast, a podcast all about your health and wellness issues that affect you every day. We want to educate, entertain, and maybe make you giggle a little along the way. No annoying statistics or jargon here, just information you can use every day to be healthier, happier, and less boring. All right, here's your host, OBGYN Dr. Ron Eaker. Hey everybody, welcome to another Thirsty Thursday Women Online Wellness Facebook Live. Tonight we're going to take a little bit of a different detour. If you're like me, you're kind of getting a little crazed by all the political stuff, all the COVID stuff. Uh, I mean, it's just really stressing everybody out. And So I thought I'd take a little bit of a deviation and talk about deviance. <laughs> Actually, I promise not to talk about anything about the election, about politics. Well, actually, since we're talking about sociopaths and psychopaths, maybe we are talking about politics. I don't know. Maybe that has more of a connection than I really realized. It wasn't intended that way. I'm not doing this to imply that anybody in our current political system is falls into this category. In fact, I really hadn't even thought about it until just now that sometimes you might associate with some of the characteristics that we'll talk about with folks that may be in the political world. But what I find fascinating and what I really want you to take away from this tonight is how many of these symptoms, how many of these things that we tend to associate with deviant behavior may be something we see in ourselves every now and then. And it gives you somewhat of a different perspective when you realize that there's maybe just a few degrees of separation that maybe we're all uh, much more capable of things that, uh, that we didn't realize that we were. I found it fascinating as I researched this and looked at the different characteristics of uh, sociopathy or psychopathy or sociopaths and psychopaths and was quite shocked and, and a bit embarrassed that I definitely could see myself in certain of those at certain times. Now, I'll clarify that. I don't want to imply that I think I have any of these issues, nor do I think you do. But I think it's fascinating to look at this, and it allows you to kind of uh, give you a, maybe a little different perspective on things as you go through these crazy times over the next few weeks. But I want to take just a second to be sure we are on the same page. Now, let me give you a caveat. I'm not a psychiatrist. Obviously, we're going to be skirting on the surface of this. So don't, this is not a lecture, a medical guide, dummies guide to psychiatry. Believe me, we're not going that route. I'm just kind of doing this almost more for entertainment value as well as educational value. So this is not certainly medical advice. I'm not making diagnoses, and I don't recommend that you take this information and start diagnosing your spouse or your family or friends or your coworkers. That's not what this is intended to do. So let's talk a little bit about the definitions so we kind of know what we're talking about. Sociopathy and psychopathy are oftentimes kind of interchangeable, but really the term sociopathy is is preferred in many ways because it kind of separates that. When you think of uh, psychopathy or psychopaths, you tend to make that in the more extreme with psychosis, which is technically a different mental 
problems. So I'll tend to use the word sociopathy, but know that a lot of times it's kind of interchangeable. And sometimes, depending on where you feel like the origin of the problem is, determines in some psychiatrist's minds where it comes from. For example, if someone's labeling someone as having a sociopathic behavior, then largely it implies that it might have come from social factors or early environment, environmental factors, like things that happened in their childhood, people who are abused or people who have a very problematic childhood. Those people tend to be labeled more in the sociopathic terminology, whereas people who are psychopathic, oftentimes they are thought of as having more a psychological or biological or genetic origin to their problems. Um, An easy way of thinking about it to some degree is a gradient. All this stuff depends on a gradient. It's not just black and white. It's, It's a scale across from normal to behavior all the way up to the psychopathy. But really with uh, psychopaths just don't have a sense of empathy. They don't understand other people's feelings. They don't get the fact that other people have feelings and they don't care about the fact that other people are effective and have feelings. And they just don't have a sense of morality. There's no uh, real understanding of right and wrong. Whereas with sociopaths, they primarily just differ from the average person in their ability to distinguish right and wrong many ways. You know, Augusta, here's a piece of trivia. Augusta has a little bit of a history with this disease. Dr. Cleckley, Herbie Cleckley, who's famous for writing with Dr. Thigpen back in the, I believe it was in the 50s or 60s, 50s, the Three Faces of Eve about multiple personality disorder. Well, he was also, and he was at the medical college, he was also one of the original people to describe this antisocial behavior to get it accepted as a true psychiatric, psychological problem. And he was instrumental in having it presented as a particular diagnosis in the the DSM, which is the Diagnostic and Statistical Manual. So Augusta has a little bit of piece of this puzzle tied to its history. Uh, But the real key is understanding this exists on a spectrum. Very few people are on this far end where they're like the serial killers that we think of as psychopaths, you know, the Ted Bundys and the Jeffrey Dahmers. That's obviously an extreme example, but there's also people on the far other side of the extreme that just have kind of antisocial behavior, Uh, and I'm going to go into that in just a minute so you kind of get a sense of what I'm talking about, but one study estimated that almost 4%, almost 4% of the U.S. population would meet the diagnostic criteria of being a sociopath. So chances are you probably know somebody who may have these characteristics. But again, this is not about labels and diagnosing anybody. This is more just for interest in understanding what it's about. Uh, One psychiatrist talks about sociopathy as being just a syndrome characterized by just a lifelong uh, misbehavior. 
Um, these are, are people with kind of this antisocial personality disorder, and they tend to be deceitful, impulsive, they ignore responsibilities, and in the worst cases, they have no sense of empathy or no conscience. Um, but it can be very mild. People can just maybe lie every now and then. Maybe they get in trouble with their spouses, and, and that's about it. And, of course, on the other end of the spectrum are the, the serial killers that we talked about. It's fascinating when you look at history. One of the favorite things of people to do these days is to look at historical figures and try to place them in a category, psychological, based on today's diagnosis. And that's very, very difficult and wrought with really just misinformation, misunderstanding. But it's interesting reading and researching this. They were talking about people like probably Herod the Great, who was the uh, the ruler in in the uh, in Israel during the or in Judea and Jerusalem at the time of uh, Jesus's birth, uh, who was responsible for the murdering all the kids under the age of two. Uh, they were talking about uh, even people like Caligula. Some of the Jew of uh, the uh, Roman emperors were potent, probably psychopathic or sociopathic. Uh, several of the Nazi war criminals have been diagnosed after the fact of being sociopaths, but that's the extreme end of the spectrum. Most folks may exhibit one or two of these behaviors, and maybe not all the time. Uh, most soci sociopaths tend to be impulsive. They're not really planning out their issues, whereas a lot of times psychopaths are characterized as people who are extreme because they they tend to be cold and calculating and even sometimes very charming as Ted Bundy, the, the strangler, uh, was. So here are just nine characteristics that I found in the literature that would describe people uh, who potentially could have the spectrum of this antisocial personality disorder. Number one would be and I already touched on this a little bit, lack of empathy. And empathy is understanding how other people feel, feeling how other people feel. It's probably one of the best and most well-known signs of sociopathy is people just don't get the fact that they're hurting somebody's feelings or that someone feels an emotion and they don't understand why they feel that. They have no remorse for their actions because they don't really get the fact that somebody else is experiencing harm or, or uh, discomfort. Um, and this makes them really dangerous. This is something that really is very difficult when so much of our behavior is based on our interactions with others and our interactions with others exhibit uh, or, and cause different emotions to arise in others. And if you don't respect that, understand that, feel that, it's very... It, there's no check, there's no balance on your own behavior. So that's a characteristic of, uh, it almost frees you up to feel like you can do anything because you don't, you truly don't understand and feel that other people have feelings, which is a, an incredibly difficult uh, way to live. Empathy is one of those great characteristics that humans have that allow us to, to, cohabitate together and to socialize and to form bonds. And without that, uh, it can be very, very isolating, but also very 
dangerous as that removes the shackles of conscience from people. Another symptom is difficult relationships. People who classically go from one difficult relationship, whether it's a, a, a male-female or just other individuals that they uh, have relationships with, they can't form emotional bonds well. Their relationships are really unstable and chaotic. Um, instead of trying to forge connections with people in their lives, they often try to exploit them for their own benefit, either through de deceit or intimidation or coercion. And that kind of leads to another one, which is manipulation. That's a very classic example of sociopathic or antisocial behavior is using techniques, whether it's through personality or through other forms of manipulation to try to coerce people to do things that will either benefit you or sometimes even just for the game of it. They try to seduce and ingratiate themselves to other people really for their own gain or even for their entertainment. But that doesn't mean they're necessarily charismatic. Some can be. And again, using the example of Ted Bundy, he was very charismatic. He was a very handsome guy. And he that's how he got close to his victims was by using his charm to manipulate them into doing things and being in situations that would allow him to then carry out his crimes. Uh, deceitfulness. Uh, now that's not surprising. Uh, sociopaths have a reputation for being dishonest and deceitful. They're caught in lies constantly. Uh, again, because they have essentially no understanding of right and wrong in many instances. They have no conscience. They might cognitively understand that this thing is uh, wrong, but it's accomplishing what they want it to accomplish. It's And to them, that justifies that particular kind of behavior. They're very comfortable lying their way to get, uh, lying out of, to get out of a situation or to get their way uh, or to get themselves out of trouble. Uh, they just basically will embellish the truth to accomplish anything and justify it as uh, being a tool that's just available to them to accomplish what they want to do. Another characteristic is callousness. They might be openly violent or aggressive, or they can just be cold and distancing. Uh, they can be abusive verbally. They can be abusive physically. Uh, they tend to just show uh, just a cruel disregard for other people's feelings. Hostility, that kind of goes along with that. And you can see how these things are intertwined. You can see how if you have no sense of empathy, no sense of understanding of someone's feelings, it oftentimes leads to many of these other behaviors. Uh, the hostility, they're, not, they're hostile to themselves as well as others. And they also will interpret other people's hostility uh, or other people's behavior as hostile to them. It's somewhat of a paranoia. And there can be a lot of overlap between many other psychological conditions. But, and that drives them to oftentimes seek revenge is they... they feel like that anything that someone else does to them that that gets in the way of them achieving what they want to achieve deserves revenge, deserves to be checked in whatever manner that would be. So you can see how these people, again, going back to this enmeshed nature, you can see how they 
very difficult to form relationships with any kind of consistency because of essentially they are at their very core the extreme of selfish the extreme of lack of empathy um, irresponsibility this goes with it another sign that someone might have this kind of personality antisocial personality is just a, a total disregard for financial and social obligations uh, this is to be distinguished from somebody who's obsessive compulsive or manic depressive you know people who are manic in the manic phase of their manic depression tend to be financially irresponsible and they'll go out and buy boats and buy uh, but this is more like uh, just being irresponsible and not paying bills and developing a, a thought pattern such that having to pay a bill is somebody's uh, uh, being unfair to you. So paying that bill is, not paying that bill is justified. Um, a perfect example in people who have terrible times with relationships oftentimes are in divorces. So not paying child support, uh, allowing bills to pile up, being very difficult with missing time at work, all those things are red flags that there could be a degree of this type of behavior in a person. Uh, impulsivity. Uh, we, all, we all are impulsive. I mean, we all have those moments. And I think that's what's so fascinating about all of this. If you're truly introspective and you're truly looking at yourself, I think honestly we can at times see a little bit this in all of us because these are just human emotions these are human behaviors and as human beings we all have these behaviors uh, periodically certainly not to the extreme of someone who actually has this particular disorder but we we oftentimes will experience moments where we will exhibit this behavior you know we always talk about vices are oftentimes just virtues taken to excess so this idea of impulsivity is in a perfect example of that you know I, they just end up taking a last minute road trip or a new hairstyle or a pair of new shoes that you just have to have this behavior is not thought out now remember that's to be distinguished from a lot of the psychopaths or psychopathy that oftentimes their pathology is takes a different road. It's a very cold and calculating and thought out. You, know, you would go into this person's room and see a whole set of writings about what their plans were and how they were going to accomplish this particular thing that they were going to do, whereas sociopaths, those on the other end of the spectrum, tend to be much more impulsive about their behavior, which obviously can lead to many, many problems as many people understand about impulsivity. They make spur-of-the-moment decisions with no thought for the consequences, both short-term and long-term. They, they particularly find it very difficult to make a plan and stick to it as opposed to the other end of the spectrum where you have the folks that are very cold and calculating. Uh, and tied into that too is, is risky behavior. Uh, that oftentimes you combine irresponsibility and impulsivity and the need for instant gratification 
And it's not surprising that sociopaths get caught up in risky behavior. What does that mean? Well, gambling, for example, is a classic example, or getting involved with individuals. Uh, we, we see that oftentimes in, in commission of certain crimes. In fact, there was a study done recently that said that f up to 48% of male inmates met the criteria for either sociopathic or psychopathic behavior uh, or uh, personality disorder. Um, and I think it was about, it was less in women because it occurs less in women, but about 30% of women inmates would exp have enough of the characteristics that would allow them to be diagnosed with this disorder. And it's, it's no surprise. In fact, I was a little surprised it wasn't greater than that when you look at the types of behaviors that these folks exhibit, it's, it's very common to see them being doing things that uh, get them in trouble with uh, the legal and the uh, uh, police community. So it's not surprising that this risky behavior, and, and again, we see that unfortunately sometimes in women with relationship to sexual activity, and we see it with the proliferation sometimes of promiscuity and sexually transmitted diseases. Again, it's just a complete lack of, uh, of it's that impulsivity, that lack of concern about consequences. Um, and even dangerous hobbies some, sometimes can be associated with that. Uh, so those are, those again, what uh, the, the, those are common things that it's surprising to me how common many of us may exhibit those behaviors at certain times in our lives. And luckily, the vast, vast, vast majority of us don't go down the road of, of uh, anything more than just brief forays into those every periodically. Many of us never at all, and not to imply that we all have those kind of behaviors. I don't want to imply that at all. Uh, well. Can this be treated? Well, obviously therapy can help in many instances, whether it's through uh, cognitive behavioral therapy or other types of psychiatric treatment. Uh, there is a lot of debate as to whether medications are effective for these individuals. Quite honestly, the reality is, is probably most of these folks never go diagnosed, never are diagnosed. Uh, they just kind of go through life with a lot of these issues and we just oftentimes see them as troubled individuals and they're never really quite uh, in a scenario where they get adequate diagnosis or treatment. Now I know what you're all saying is that probably half the politicians we have out there following these characteristics especially after what we've seen in this last week or so but I'm not going there. I wasn't, That was not the purpose of tonight. Uh, but just a, a little bit different twist on something that is uh, something that we don't talk about very much. And I just wanted to give a little bit of a different flavor tonight. So just kind of uh, go back and re-listen to this and just kind of think, yeah, I can remember this person or that person maybe having some of those characteristics. And it gives you a little bit of insight and, and maybe a little bit more understanding as to why somebody may be the way that they are. I just want to take just a second and let you know that we're moving forward with my new practice style, the MDVIP affiliation. 
Uh, for those of you who don't know what I'm talking about, uh, please go back and look at a couple of the recent videos. Hopefully a lot of you have gotten information already. I want to encourage you that if you are considering being a part of this program and being part of my practice going forward, that we've had a wonderful response and I want to make sure that if you're interested, you get your spot. So uh, please, I'm going to put the information above this video to please contact Deborah in my office to ask questions and she could actually walk you through the enrollment and make sure you understand everything about this new incredible practice that I think is going to provide amazing service to women and I hope revolutionize how healthcare is going to be delivered to women in the future. We're going to have another webinar on the 14th. That's a Saturday, I think a week from Saturday. And I'll put the link up there also where you can register for that, where we go into much more depth about exactly what this kind of hybrid between primary care and enhanced women's health care is going to be all about. So my, my message and my encouragement is for you to get as much information as you can about this so that you can decide, you can begin to to see, do you see the value in this for you individually? That's the decision that needs to be made. But I will encourage you to please, if you're, if you're on the fence, or you're not really sure, or you're just now hearing about it, get in touch with me, get in touch with Deborah, because we're filling up. Uh, that's the, the bottom line, we're filling up, and we don't want anybody who wants to participate in this to not be able to have a spot. So I'd encourage you to, to think about it, give it some consideration, feel free to call me directly, if you have some specific questions about your needs and how this can serve you in the future, how you can have somebody in your corner who's got your back, who's going to be making decisions about your health care and your interest, not some clerk in Minneapolis who decides based on an insurance protocol what you can or can't have done. So with that, again, a little brief tonight, but I just thought it'd be a little deviation and something a little different. We're trying to bring you a bunch of different things with this. So again, I, I love all the folks who are engaged, who put on comments, tell me they're watching. I greatly appreciate that. I read every one. I'm responding to every single one. If you have any questions or concerns or anything you want to comment about this, I'm going to read every one and I'll get back with you. Obviously, if you have any questions about the new MDVIP practice, please, please get in touch with me so I can just help you understand the value for you and make sure that you get all your questions answered. If you have any family or friends who wants to be a part of the Women's Online Wellness, please submit their names or give them the link and they can join. We'd love to have them be a part of this community. So my, my message right now is just don't be totally bummed out by all the craziness out there, whether it's COVID or the election. You know, as, as Annie said, the sun's going to come out tomorrow and we're going to march forward. We're doing our viral spiral upwards. We're making progress. We're going to come out of this better in mind, body, and spirit. That's my goal, and I know you share that with me. So with that, make healthy choices, and we'll see you next time. Thank you for listening to the Women's Online Wellness Podcast. To join the conversation, access show notes, and discover bonus content, join our private Facebook community by sending a request to Women's Online Wellness. If you enjoyed today's episode and want to hear more, just head over to iTunes and subscribe, rate, and leave a review. For questions about the podcast or to get more information, 
Email Dr. Eaker at R-E-A-K-E-R at yahoo.com. Thank you for listening, and until next time, choose to be healthy. 